0: welcome everyone to the adversity to advantage podcast i'm very excited all the way across the pond we've got matt pappas um he is a certified coach and nlp practitioner specializing in uh, overcoming anxiety and trauma recovery which is fascinating to me and he's also a fellow podcast host and a mental health advocate welcome to the show so good to have you here
1: hey petra thank you for having me on I, i appreciate it it's an honor
0: Thank you so much. Um, so give us a little bit of context, got context to you. What are you passionate about at the moment in, in work and in life?
1: Well, um, as you said, I am a coach. Uh, I work with clients uh, one-on-one, and then we also do, we have a very unique uh, group coaching program, which we can talk about um, as well, where we work with clients who are overcoming trauma uh, literally on, on a daily basis through uh, phone and, you know, um, chats and, you um, webinars and such. So that's a pretty cool thing that we've undertaken, uh, myself and a colleague. But for me personally, it's it's about trying to reach as many people as possible with the message of hope that I didn't have when I was younger, when I was going through all of the crap and all the trauma and trying to figure out what a survivor of trauma was and why I was a survivor and what happened and why it happened and, you know, how, you know, why did I have these struggles all throughout life with learning disabilities and bullying and self-esteem problems and, you know, problems with food and dieting, like all these different things that, that um, you know, you don't always realize play a part into past trauma, but they oftentimes do. So learning through all of that and um, has been eye-opening and very enlightening. So I really just try and uh, spend as much time as I can, um, you know, doing the podcast, working on the blog, working with clients and just letting, you know, trying to reach as many as possible that being a survivor of trauma isn't a life sentence of misery, of isolation, of, of being less than what you want to be, of being under the control of the person who traumatized you or being uncontrolled or being in control of your past. So that's a a big part of it is, you know, so often we feel like, well, because we've always done this or we're always doomed to do that or something always works out this way or, you know, all these things that we've said all our lives and we've been kind of programmed to think, it's what we default to rather than defaulting to, let me see if I can try this. Let me undertake this new thing. Let me see how this works. How does this make me feel? I'm worthy of going for that new job, going back to school, finding that relationship, whatever it is, um, regardless of the fact that. Maybe my, my, my past is telling me I'll fail, it won't work, I'm, I'm doomed to repeat old negative mistakes, that kind of stuff. So it's really about empowering people to live free from a past that's been holding them back, keeping them from who they really want to be, and keeping them from reaching out and, and interacting in the world and living the kind of life they want really
0: yeah and we're so aligned on this because that's very much the purpose of my podcast as we've discussed before is like um i i I am the audience you know who i was 12 years ago struggling and suffering and isolating myself and not having the, the the right people or the tools to kind of change the trajectory that my path had put me on my past had put me on um so there's something so exciting about uh, offering that hope having come through it but also I just learn so much every time I interview somebody which is great because it right I just I just learn so much more and it there's something so fulfilling and exciting about it um so take us way back give us a little bit of context to to what that was like for you growing up I mean did your parents prepare you or the education system prepare you for sort of the real world
1: well If you want to go way back to, like, between 5 and 10, um, that's when things kind of went south, like, quickly. Um, You know, there was um, a teenager up the street who was – their parents were friends of the family for a long time, Mm -hmm. which I didn't know at the time, but of course they were. And and he – or and he was uh he was about 10 years older than me like i was five to ten he was in his late teens you know whatever and um at that point that's when kind of my whole world changed when i became the victim of his desires and whims and horrible nasty abuse and so that um happened multiple times between when i was five and ten and then so from there just kind of unraveled to the point where i became super closed up didn't talk to anybody. Stayed in my room a lot. Was very isolated. Felt very ashamed. Very afraid. Um, very um, alone. Most often, um, you know, I I still went out and did things with my friends, but I think mainly as like a coping skill because I just didn't want to talk to my parents. I was afraid to tell them what was going on because he threatened me, and there was, you know, a whole lot of that backstory. Um, but essentially, I I just became closed off. Didn't talk to my parents. Looking back, they said that sometime around that time I became a very different child and that, of course, affected me Um, going into late middle school and into, excuse me, late uh, elementary school and then into middle school. um, I was bullied like all the time for anything and everything. I was going to uh, special classes because I had developed a learning disability with the, you know, because uh, my brain would not allow me to think in an abstract way. So I couldn't multitask couldn't do all kinds of things. So I was kind of a, a ch- child who was just, you know, I had a handful of friends. so I wasn't completely isolated, but like outside of that little group, I didn't go much or I, I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do much as a child. I just kind of stayed at home and, you know, and my, my parents were trying to get me to talk. They tried to send me to a therapist. That didn't work. So, um, so it was, uh, it was rough. You were
0: holding on to everything you weren't oh my! yeah i i
1: I internalized everything it was all my fault and then of course you know he had he had threatened my you know my family dog he had threatened me you know you know you you can't tell anybody yeah and so he tried that you know multiple tactics of um you know i'm gonna hurt somebody you love or he tried the you know it's our little secret i'm your best friend kind of thing and me being a young kid of course i bought into it because i didn't know any better But I internalized it as I must have done something or I'm broken or I did it and my parents being very, very, um, very uh, deeply rooted in the church. So I felt like everything like it was a very shaming experience. Um, I didn't feel comfortable talking to them. And you know, I think to their credit, they they didn't want me to talk. They weren't blaming me for something, but I internalized it as my fault based on the way I was groomed and the experience went down and the fear of losing my family dog and the fear of being hurt and not being cool or fitting in or having friends, all that stuff. So that all kind of really just affected me to the point where I became very isolated, very introverted, um, very Uh, or unable to seek out new relationships and friends on anything more than like a superficial level, Um, wouldn't open up to anybody for a long time. And it wasn't until my second to last year in high school when I finally was able to kind of break free a little bit. But that's not only because I pushed everything aside. I'm like, you know what? This happened, you know, a, a long time ago. It doesn't bother me anymore. I don't care anymore. I'm tired of dealing with it. So I just went, pushed it aside. And that was it. Okay. And so I pretty much pretended like it didn't happen. So, for, and so that's that so kind of how I dealt, dealt with it.
0: it. It feels good for a little while, doesn't it? Being able to. Oh, it's
1: to all great. That. I mean, it's great because I struggled with my weight and my self esteem for my whole life. Over one summer, I dropped like 40 pounds. I got like all new clothes and I went out, you know, and I was trying to find new friends and, you know, I was listening to all the cool music and I'm like, I'm done. I'm done being a victim. I don't care anymore. And so I was just like, yeah, this is empowering. This is great. To hell with the past and all this stuff. And so I lived like a child of the 80s. I was like, "Okay, let's go do this. Let's go listen to music and and go to parties and have fun and hang out with my friends. And I don't care about anything. And it served me for a time. I mean, long term, it wasn't a solution. But as a teenager, just trying to find my way and figure out what the heck was going on with me, I'm like, this works. I suddenly have friends now. I suddenly have a job. I know people who like me and so it was cool and then of course and then for the next 20 some years after that I was just more of the um, I didn't really focus on it much I didn't think about it much I just kind of lived my life and went through pretending it didn't happen I rarely thought about it didn't seem didn't care all the while the self-esteem was still haunting me problems with you know relationships problems with keeping a job problems with opening up to people um forming anything more like I said than then like a a superficial relationship, going overboard with alcohol and you know, you know, just all kinds of um behaviors that were not healthy, but it's what I dealt with and all the while I didn't realize it was all being traced back to what happened. Um and so that's you know, and then once I started in my early forties I started seeking out the help of a therapist (laughs) after my marriage had ended in divorce and I was trying to put my life back together. Not even worrying about the trauma stuff. I was just trying to figure out how to be a single parent and tried to, you know, you know, you know, why did this happen? Why did she leave? What 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 could I have done? How was this my fault? How can I fix myself? And so through that, months and months of therapy, for that, it kind of came out that I had been a survivor of childhood trauma. So at that point, then we started diving into that, and then that's where it really took off, and I started to put all the pieces in place of Um, You know, working through workbooks and worksheets and and writing assignments and where does this feeling coming from and why do I feel this? And so it wasn't until my early 40s until I really started figuring out what happened, why it happened, um, what it all meant and how it all kind of ties together.
0: Wow. So that's that's quite a few years, quite a number of years of using these coping strategies in some way, like in a good enough way to survive, to show up at life and at least on the surface – for it to look healthy and together and like you maybe even were happy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, like I said, I mean I pretty much suppressed that trauma for about thirty years. Yeah. You know, I just um either either unintentionally or intentionally, it was not I was not dealing with it. So those those coping strategies did serve me for a time. Um now they weren't long-term solutions, they weren't healthy necessarily, but I was not ready to go through all the stuff that I went through in my early 40s, back in my 20s, or even my 30s.
0: And there's no, there's very limited education out there about what trauma does to the brain or, um, you know, how you might cope with it or how it might show up in later life if it's not dealt with. We don't even know, you know, outside of the profession, how does one deal with trauma? It's just like, get on, get over it, um, just act Mm -hmm. as if it didn't happen, all that stuff just to, to move forward. So there's... And if so many people are shrouded by shame, so they're not talking about it, there's not even like a peer support thing to trade on, you know, well, what works for you, what works for you, do you know what I mean? So I completely understand right. that you just um, moved forward in your life in in some way. And so what were you, you talk about a divorce. I'm, I'm often talking to people about a, a rock bottom or a crisis point that often leads them to taking getting the therapy like nobody goes oh life's great let me just have some therapy on top of that right, <laughs> <I>
1: know, right?
0: <laughs> which we should do sometimes right um yes. it's usually like crash point desperation rock bottom facing the dirt going you know I've got to do something what were the was mm-hmm. it the, was it just the divorce or were there other things that were that you would ascribe as maybe a rock bottom of some kind that led I to think, getting help and asking for help uh, the
1: divorce was kind of the the deciding factor, I guess, um, because I think when that happened, because it had been my second divorce. So I had had this happen a second time. Right. So that was kind of the situation where something's got to give right now. And I mean, I, I was still seeking help thinking it was my fault. Like I should have done something better. I didn't give her enough. I could have done more things or, you know, I didn't do enough of that or, you know, so I was still internalizing it my fault. But Between that, um, you know, understanding that, you know, there was um, another child here that, you know, we had to kind of work out and be a single parent with again and all the custody things and the finance and, you know, what do we do with the house and all the stuff that goes into it. I was finally like, all right, I've got to figure out a way to fix myself. So I'm like, okay, it probably wouldn't hurt to go see a therapist. Maybe she can help me. And so, you know, like on my intake form, it was all about the relationship and what I did and why she left and what I could have done and how this was my fault and fix me and all the stuff that yeah. I'm sure others have written. Yeah. And so I was pretty much just at the bottom of I'm in a pattern of that's not good, that's not healthy, that that that's finding me alone again. Clearly there's something wrong. It's probably my fault, but even if it's not, I gotta figure out what it is. So It was that, and then of course, you know everything that 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 comes into play when you get divorced. Like I said, with with the other issues with family and children and finances and houses and stuff. So, uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So it was overwhelming. I was just like, okay, um, I'm I'm going to go find a therapist. I'm going to tell her what's happening. Maybe 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 she'll give me a pill. Maybe she'll give me something I can do, some kind of weird chant or meditation that I can do and fix myself. Yeah. I mean, literally, that's what I went in because i think you know outside of talking to a therapist when i was a kid i hadn't seen one you know i didn't know much about it didn't really care didn't affect me wasn't part of my life so i didn't know anything about what therapy was other than what you saw on television so um so that was kind of it it was just i'm divorced in my early 40s um and now what do i do with my life how do i figure out what to pick up the pieces and move forward so If I'm able to get into a relationship again, how can I not repeat the the mistakes of the past was kind of my mentality going in.
0: Yeah. So you were kind of forced into a position where you thought I can't be doing this again, like maybe for a third time or or the fear stuff of let me just uh, fix myself, thinking that it it would be like a step one, two and three finished. I right? was hoping. Yeah, yeah. I'm like,
1: okay, I'm going to a therapist for six months. I'm going to be healed. It's going to be great. And I'm going to go find a new, you know, a, a new relationship and a better job and blah, blah, blah. And Happy. of course it didn't work out that way, but that was what I thought going in.
0: Of course. So what was the process then? You, you obviously stayed in for, for a while, began to connect the dots around the trauma, the, the origin of, of, of trauma. I mean, was your therapist a, a trauma specialist? Cause obviously you're going there for relationship support or did you end up <clears> having, like, how did that work?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, she was she was trauma-informed, fortunately. I didn't realize at the time what that was or why it was important, yeah. but she was trauma-informed. And so, you know, and we didn't start talking about that initially. It wasn't that, you know, the main topic. Um, so we started talking about, you know, um, working through relationship books and strategies and, you know, finding myself and, you know, realizing what I'm about and trying to show me it wasn't all my fault. and. The things you normally work through. Sure. Um, so I stayed in there for se- – it wasn't – I was work- – we were doing that for several months, about six or seven months-ish. And then, of course, during, during a random writing assignment at one point, um, I had written out that I was a survivor of trauma. You know, something happened to me when I was a kid. And then she was like – and we were – I was reading through a writing assignment during a, a session sitting on her couch and she was like, whoa, stop, wait a minute. So we went back and I read that again. And then we kind of shifted gears and started diving into that. And then we worked on through like workbooks like The Courage to Heal. And we started learning DBT skills. And, you know, she was doing cognitive behavioral therapy with me. And we were trying to put all the pieces together and go back and, and, and you know, revisit those situations and do trauma narratives and all the stuff that you do. And so that was another year and a half of Going usually twice a week, um, of just diving into that and trying to figure out what it was and what it was about and and you know and you know realizing that I'm a survivor and you know of course I always tell people you know whenever I whenever I talk about it that one of the one of the most interesting things that happened was after a recent or after a session uh, when I was driving home the therapist had sent me a text and it was just this little picture. And it just said, you are a survivor, and that is amazing. And then like that that was kind of a light bulb moment for me. I'm like, I'm a survivor. Okay, well, now I, I know it's more than like a television show now. I know it's something more in-depth. So then we, that's really what kind of got me interested and focused really on – learning what I was a survivor of and how it affected me. And, oh, my God, all these reasons I'm feeling the way I feel and the, the struggles I've had, it all goes back to this. And, you know, the grooming and the bullying and the self-esteem problems and, and the lack of, of, of you know, uh, fostering relationships and all the things that uh, go through. So it was a therapy for several years, about two and a half, three years, um, of, of working through various things to where, I finally got to a point where I felt I felt like I had a pretty good understanding of what was going on. I was making great strides. I felt more empowered about myself, and um, that's you know that's when I really kind of took ownership of uh, uh, ownership of it. And I was like, okay, um, you know, so I go and see a therapist once or twice a week, but then the other five or six days, I'm left to my own vices. So I'm like, right. I, I got to do something because you know I was feeling. I was feeling like isolated and alone because I because I was alone. I mean, you know, I was single, and so I realized I got to do something with my mind to occupy my time rather than sitting around feeling sorry for myself. So I started reading books, watching videos, um, started journaling, and really just kind of started taking my recovery into my own hands and saying, "Okay, what else can I do? What else can I learn?" So I was following people on social media. I started writing more in my journal every day and then um i began to take my journaling uh onto a blog and then that's where i started my first blog uh back in early 2016 very early 2016 um to where i put my story out there on the internet and then from there it just kind of took off where i started writing and writing and i was doing four or five posts a week about you know what I'm going through, and why do I feel this way? And being a survivor sucks, and it's horrible, and I don't understand it. And you know, you know, I, I just tried this new strategy, and yes, it was great, or no, it was horrible. And it's like it was my life outlined multiple times a week of where I was at then, and where, and then you could slowly see over months that the shift in my writing and my journaling had changed because I was I was learning new things and experiencing new breakthroughs and and understanding like what it meant to be a survivor and why I could finally do things that I never thought I was able to and and try new strategies and um and you know be okay with mindfulness and meditation and and be okay with seeing a therapist and not feeling ashamed and just all the breakthroughs that were coming through that I was learning more about myself on, it all just clicked. It made sense. And so I felt very empowered using it as a learning experience. Um, and it's not that I was like, I mean, I wasn't a super A student in school. Like, I wasn't somebody who always had this insatiable need to learn. Like, I hated school. Yeah. I hated learning. I didn't like yeah. to read. So, you know, I, I, I would rather watch the movie than read a book. So, but I found it very. <clears throat> empowering to learn about myself, to learn about the brain and how the brain is affected by trauma and what neuroplasticity was and how anxiety starts in the brain, why it starts there and, and how you know, eating disorders and, and self-esteem, how that gets traced back to childhood trauma and all these different things that just made sense for me really helped me to understand myself better. And I found that very empowering because it was uh, I felt like I was more in control of myself and my situation, because I was not in control for a long time. Yeah. You know, I was out of control, and so because,
0: because a lot of this showed yep. up for you as anxiety, didn't it? So being mm-hmm. anxious with with within your workplace or within your day to day life, right? So b- before speaking to the therapist, those were some of the symptoms that were coming out. Is that is that right?
1: Oh yeah, I was I was anxious. Like, I was just a basket case. I was anxious all the time, worrying all the time, chewing on my fingernails, like, obsessively compulsive about everything and anything, Um, you know, and so anxiety was a huge part of my life. I lived with it for so long, and I probably knew I was feeling anxious, I mean, but I didn't really put the pieces together. I didn't understand why. And so then, like, I really started diving into anxiety in the brain and, and, you know, different parts of the brain and how trauma is meant, or excuse me, how anxiety gets you know, manifested in different parts of your mind and why it happens and and strategies to, to, to help keep it under control and to take back your power when there is, you know, when you're in the middle of an anxiety attack or something or you feel anxiety creeping up or something. And so all these different things that I really just kind of said, okay, I'm going to try and learn as much as I can and figure out why I am the way I am so I can help myself more, so I can feel more empowered, so I don't feel so helpless.
0: So it sounds like there were two things that sort of supported your recovery, probably lots more, but the two ones jumping out is um, the educating yourself, so trying to, to take things into your own hands so that you could practice the tools and skills that were out there to see what what worked, and then challenging the shame thing by talking to your therapist and then putting your story out in quite a public space, which is scary. Um, But I wonder if actually the internet felt safer than, like, talking to somebody face-to-face, besides the therapist, you know Uh what I
1: mean? In a way, it kind of did, mainly because when I first started writing, I was using an alias. So, you know, my picture wasn't out there. I I was using a different name. I'm like, I can tell my story. Nobody's really going to care. I mean, it was still a little uneasy when you're talking about childhood sexual abuse and being bullied and all these horrible things. But I felt safe because I was under a pen name. So I was just, you know, nobody knows who I am. I don't know where I live. I don't tell anybody. I'm just, you know, I, this is who I am. And and so it did feel kind of safe that way, um, yes. And then, of course, eventually I did kind of come out a little bit more and, you know, shed that alias and use my real name, and, which I do now, obviously. But, uh, for, but I had to take that baby step of it felt safer to me to use an alias yeah. and almost writing about. Uh, you know, writing stories about somebody who was me, but nobody knew it was me, you know? So that, that helped a lot because I, I, I could not have gone right from just jumping in and using my real name and here I am world. Like no. I couldn't have done that. Of course not. So I needed to, to do baby steps to get there. Um, and so, but yeah, and then the other part of course is the education. Like you know, we, we talk about so much how, how labels are stigmatizing. You, know, you know, you don't want to label somebody. You don't want to judge somebody, which it's fine, which is true. But when you can put a name to something or a definition to something or a label on something and, you know, this is why I feel anxious and, you know, what does this term mean? Well, things don't seem so scary when you can call it something. You know, I mean, it's, it, for me, it's more of, okay, I've been feeling all these different ways, and I have no idea why well now I know that that's association and that's a different part of anxiety and this is um, you know part of PTSD and all these different things so now I'm realizing you know, not, I was realizing that if I can call it something, I can research it more I can understand it more and I can figure out a way to work through it so educating yourself by by you know finding reliable resources reading books watching videos, that kind of stuff it's incredibly helpful because you know, it lets you know that you're not alone because obviously other people have dealt with it. Yeah. It gives you real world strategies and ideas and, and ways that, that you can work through it. It gives you hope that there is light at the end of the tunnel and that you're not going to be the same way forever. Um, and, and plus it's just, it's empowering to learn about yourself and to figure out why you are the way you are so you can take steps to change the things that are in your power to change and to be okay with things that maybe you can't change.
0: And so obviously you are in a position now where you have your podcast platform, you're coaching people, you're, you're, your message is really out there of hope and supporting others that have gone through similar things. Looking back <clears throat> on your trauma and the adversity that you've faced, it sounds horrific when it has to do with the things you're describing, but do you have some kind of gratitude for that journey that you've been on that's led you to this place of sort of purpose and giving back?
1: Um, yes and no. And I think, I think you always have to be careful because you don't ever want to be, you know, I'm glad I was traumatized or I'm glad I was, you know, I mean, we don't, we're not ever happy about that. It's not a good thing. No. (laughs) But, um, I am grateful for the journey that got me here to a point where I can deal with it better. You know, um, understanding that it was a, it was a something that took a long time. And that, you know, everybody's journey is different. And for some people, it might take years and years. It might take decades. It, everybody's different. So it was, I'm grateful in that I was able to get to a point where I couldn't learn it and, and radically accept what happened and then use it to my advantage to understand myself, to, uh, to be able to formulate goals and work through strategies in life, of uh, things that I can achieve in spite of being a survivor. Um, so in that sense, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I went through the journey that I did in the way that I did because I, you know, therapists tried to force me to talk about things in my late teens and twenties that I wasn't ready to go to. So I just shut them down. I'm like, I'm not talking about it. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. So it did bring me to a point where I am able to help people, um, because I've been through the experience. I understand what it means to be a survivor. I understand where anxiety comes from I understand you know how self-esteem plays in and you know how that affects um you know you and the ways of eating disorders and the way that you live your daily life and relationships and all the things that I went through so my lived experience and the education that that I still do um helps me for you know to work with others but it also helps myself because I'm not there yet I'm not healed yet um you know i I am a firm believer in healing from a traumatic past is a lifelong journey. So you're always learning about yourself, you're always adapting. There's always gonna be some kind of new memory that comes up or a trigger that happens or you know maybe a random flashback here and there that even if I've got everything under control and things are going fine, something's gonna come up eventually based on what happened in the past. And so, but now I'm more readily available to deal with it in a healthy way And in a way that is understanding and compassion and doesn't just have me pushing it aside, um, you know, like I used to do.
0: Absolutely. And so um, on that point, what sort of habits and routines do you try to put in place for yourself on a good day? Bearing in mind that we all have good days and bad days as far as how this works. But, you know, on a good day, what are the things that really support you in maintaining, uh, you know, the the place that, that you've gotten to?
1: Uh, well, I mean, you know, I think for me, one of the biggest things is mindfulness, um, being fully present, like taking some time here and there to just go stand outside and like, you know, let, let, let the sun hit my face for a couple of minutes and, you know, or listen to the birds or go out for a little walk. Like mindfulness, going outside, walking, being in nature, those things help me a lot. Um, I do them as often as I can. Um, music is a big thing. Listening to the music that I like um, is really inspiring as it is relaxing. Um, so I use music a lot. Um, you know, I play music. I listen to it. The mindfulness, I like to read. Um, and, I, and, like, and I'm not an avid reader as in like, you know, I, I can read a book in two days. Like it takes me a couple of months to read a book. Yeah. because I have to read it slowly, I have to go back and reread because I dissociate what I'm reading, and I have got to go back and and you know understand it. So it takes me a while to read, but I enjoy it because when I can get to the last page of that book on my Kindle, I'm like celebrating. I'm like, I, I just wrote another book, I learned something. So it's very um, empowering to learn because I read a lot of self-help books. I don't read a lot for pleasure in the sense of you know, reading spy novels or fiction or sci-fi or something. I, I, it's just not me. Yeah. I read more of the self-help understanding your brain types of books and but um that that really helps me a lot um having a safe support system of a handful of people who I trust who know something about me um that you know if I'm having a rough day I can text them or give them a quick call um that's a big part of it and, and just perfect. being okay with
0: the, the support mm-hmm. network seems to have been absent from some of your life, whether you pushed them oh, yeah. away or whether they weren't there in the first place. Um, it's quite striking. And so it's interesting that you're saying you've got to nurture that support group now because you find it essential for your own sort yes. of well-being and survival.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to have a support system. Like, you, you cannot go through being a trauma survivor alone. Like, it's just it's exponentially more difficult. Yes. You know, I mean, my first support system... Outside of a therapist was the internet. I was going on Twitter and I was looking for for like chats about mental health and and trauma recovery and being a survivor. And so my first support system was virtual. i was I, I was typing to people I'd never seen before, but they they got me. They understood when I would type something and they would agree with me, and they would, yes, I you know, yes, I know what that means, and I deal with that too. So you know you don't have to have a support system of people locally who you can see face to face. I mean, if if you can, that's even better. But if you don't have that because of any number of reasons the the support system online is just out there. You know I mean there are millions of people all over the world who deal with the same thing the the same or similar things that you do. They understand what it means to live through a traumatic past to have all these problems in your life to to struggle every day and so there is there's safety and companionship and um feeling like you belong when you can reach out to the, to, to the support system online. And plus, you can do it in the, from the safety of your own home. You can use whatever name you want. You know, you don't have to reveal yourself and where you live. You just start typing, and this is what I'm feeling. And, and then people accept you as you are. And so that, that was a big step was, um, you know, the first support system outside of therapy was virtual. And I, and I, I still rely on that a lot today. Um, you know, I still have friends who I chat with online and, you know, support groups and stuff because, you know, trying to go through this whole trauma recovery survivor thing alone—it's—it's it's hard. It's just—it's it's hard enough with people. It's even harder when you have nobody. So, yeah. you know, I reach yeah. out to that—you know—online. Just reach out because it's there and it's usually free.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just shows that um, when we're stuck in our head, that's when we can—you know—it can get really dark, and we can torture ourselves in so many other ways than if we let it out in some way and really interesting to hear the the virtual side of things because there's often criticism around you know the digital stuff when it comes to mental health but really if it's the bridge that gets you to talking to real people or creating a community sort of down the line it's it's absolutely amazing. Um, Do you have any other advice for somebody who might be in the early stages of realizing you know that something's not quite right so they haven't processed some trauma that's gone on in the past, and maybe that's not what they think it is, but they're showing up with anxiety or, or, or other kind of compulsions or things like that. What might be the, the, the bit of advice or the first steps that they might take?
1: I think the first thing that I always encourage people to do is um <clears throat> well, first off, reach out for that the support the, for that for that support online. Like that's huge because You know, I mean, there's so many resources on the internet that are free, YouTube videos and, you know, Twitter chats and Facebook groups. So reach out, do a little educating, you know, why do I feel like blank? And then just go start reading. And, you know, um, that's a huge part. Um, But if you really feel like you're overwhelmed, like, you know, you're just tired of everything the way that's going on, go find yourself a therapist somehow. I mean, therapy is readily accessible now. Um, coaches are so accessible right now on, you know, virtually through the internet, you know, there are apps on your smartphone to talk to somebody. There's crisis lines 24 seven through the telephone, through the internet, find somebody to talk to, you know, virtually or in person and just get it out. You know, you know, somebody that's safe, somebody that's knowledgeable and, and just realize that, Hey, you know, you've been living the same way for your whole life. So something's got to give, something's got to change if you want to feel better. So, why not take a chance? because you know I think that's kind of where you know you, you get to that breaking point where you're like, "I've tried everything or I feel so horrible, I might as well try this well, if you've been doing the same things over and over and you still feel the same, go try something different go go try talking to somebody and you know even if it doesn't you know even if you don't connect with with, with that first person, whether it's a therapist or a coach or whoever, you know don't give up because. You know, healing is a lot of trial and error. It's, it's, it's you know, reading books and seeing what resonates with you and what doesn't, trying strategies, um, you know, working through the thoughts in your head and the feelings and kind of seeing what what resonates with you, what what helps you to feel better, what doesn't, and all the while you're learning about yourself and trying to, and and seeing who you really are outside of the trauma. And when you do that, it opens up a whole lot of doors and a whole lot of things are, are going to come rushing back. So it's important to work with somebody, you know, who, who is trauma-informed, who can help you understand and make sense of those types of feelings when they do start to come out because eventually they are going to come out. You know, I mean, whether you want it or not, your brain is going to bring things to the forefront of your mind. You're going to be triggered yeah. for something. You're going to have a flashback. And so finding somebody to talk with and just being able to say, "I need to see. I, I need to find somebody. I need to get some help. And not and and not be ashamed about it. Don't don't feel bad about it. Like there's no shame in getting help. because you know ultimately, you've got one life on this earth to live, and why not go enjoy it and live it and learn it? And you know, if you've spent the first half of your life being miserable alone and struggling, well, now you have the second half and and start, and, and start taking steps to, to feel better about yourself and to be more empowered and to take um, you know opportunities as they come instead of just letting them pass you by because you think you'll fail or because you're doomed to repeat to the you know, mistakes of the past. So the the biggest thing is, you know, talk to somebody, utilize the free support systems. That's the first step. I mean, yeah. just go on Google and type in the way you feel and see what comes up. There are countless articles and and resources. Go use it because that's, you know, that's in this day and age with with help so readily available, it's really just so key to be able to to take that step of of reaching out, not being ashamed of what's happened to you. And realize that if it happened to you, it's happened to countless other people. Like, you know, you're not the only person in the world who's yeah. been through traumas A, B, and C. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you feel like you are, you do. but in reality, yeah. you're not.
0: Yeah. When you're yeah. in it, you when feel you're like you're the only one, don't you? Um, that's, there's so much wisdom here. There's so many uh, good ideas and such a profound point to just take that first step, whether it's virtual or, or with a the therapist. So tell us just a little bit about your, your work, what you do, and, and let people know where they can find you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I do most of my clients I work with are virtual. So we do Skype or video chat or talk on the phone. Um, And, you know, I specialize in helping people overcome anxiety in their life. You know, why do I feel this way? Where is it coming from? You know, um, how can I take steps to feel more empowered? Um, You know, taking care of myself. And, you know, I have a program, you know, that kind of starts you with understanding anxiety in your life understanding the past and what happened but taking you right now where you're at okay i'm right here in my life where can i move forward what do i want to do with my life let's let's put steps in place to get there understanding how all this stuff over here helped or um, affected us in some way so you know we take positive steps forward with the understanding of how the past affects you and and then you know we we put in place things that you can do on a daily basis To help you overcome all those negative feelings and things that are holding you back. And so um, that's a big part of what I do. Like I said, uh, one on one and then group coaching, where we have a new initiative where we are having calls every single day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for 45 minutes, where you can join through your smartphone, through your telephone, through your computer. Yeah, and it's very low price, very 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 uh, affordable, low priced, easily accessible. We have one call now that that starts at eight p.m. Eastern. We're soon going to be launching one in the middle of the afternoon for people in the UK and in Europe, where it's a bit more on their time. Yeah. Um. So it's not quite in the middle of the night. Sure. Um. Kind of thing. So, but you know, where where we do like coaching every single day, where you bring questions and comments, and we talk about anxiety and food issues and how trauma affects the brain and. And, you know, um, overcoming a narcissistic relationship and all these different types of things, self-esteem. And so that's that's initiative we started just this past spring, which is going really well. Excited. Um, so, you know, and it's you know, it's really just no nobody else is doing it the way that we're doing it or really doing it at all. I don't think so. We are excited about that. But you can learn more about that um, on my website, beyond There's links there. Um, You know, there's uh, contact forms, there's podcasts for my show that that you can listen to. And really just, if you're curious, just search beyond your past on Google. You'll find me on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and, of course, my website and Facebook. Um, Yeah, just reach out, connect, and um, I'd love to, you know, get in contact with you. And if you're interested in learning more about me as a coach or whatever, just hit me up and I'll be happy to talk with you.
0: Sounds amazing. I'm so uh, impressed with everything that you do. I resonate so much with with your story. And even though my background was was very different, um, it just pulls together that sometimes we can make choices and educate ourselves in order to move our lives forward. But also that it's an ongoing struggle. It's not like a beautiful, like, uh, oh, it was hard and now we're fixed and everything's perfect. And that's definitely (laughs) the message I want to get across is even if people are doing great things in the world, we've got to put in habits and routines to to look after ourselves, to continue to educate ourselves. And for me, I need that circle of people, right? So no matter how great life is or how perfect it is, if I don't have that circle of people, like I could just tip, uh, you know, over the edge. Um, Not in the same way as before, because I've got more sort of education and ways uh, to, to do it. But challenging the shame every day, getting out of our comfort zone, connecting with people. And then it's so beautiful to see how this has turned into your your purpose as well and how many people you're helping. Thank you, Matt, so much for your time. And I know we're gonna stay in touch. Uh, we'll, we'll put all that information into the show notes. Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely, Pedro. it's my pleasure. Thanks for being here. And um, I, I, I look forward to having you on my show as well. So. No
0: way, I'm, I'm there. All right, thank you.